Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Welcome back to Gap Year Radio, officially. We are so excited to bring you a fresh set of episodes that are organized by theme, and especially themes that are really, that we feel are gonna be really important to Gap Year students, their families, and educators, and other people who are looking to learn and prepare for amazing Gap Year experiences. So we really wanted to kick off this season with one of the most important topics of our time, sustainability, and specifically, as it pertains to Gap Years, travel in the era of climate change. We have been so excited to start this uh, season with this particular episode. As Julia mentioned, this is such an important topic, such a hot topic right now to really be thinking more intentionally about as as you're thinking about a gap year and potential travel opportunities during that time. So we are very excited to have two guests with us who have been incredibly dedicated to creating thoughtful experiences for gap year students that really take sustainability into account at every level. So today on the pod, we have Daniel Ponce-Taylor, who is the co-founder of Travolution, which is a Spanish language search engine for international opportunities, as well as Sustainability and Strategic Partnerships Director at IOI, which is an international development organization that utilizes volunteer placements, as well as Arancha Lopez-Martinez, who is the Director of Spanish Gap Year, which is a gap year program in Spain. Very excited to have the two of them on the pod today. Yeah, I work with them both in my capacity as a gap year counselor, and it was really cool to kind of dig in with them, hear more about their background, hear more about how they think about sustainability, and most importantly, you know, practical tips for students to think about and be mindful about their own impacts while they travel on their gap time. So I think that people are going to come away with a lot of understanding and just, you know, prompts so that they can, you know, think about how to travel more sustainably on their gap experiences. I love that, Julia. Yes, a lot of tangible takeaways today, as well as I think some really great reflective pieces to to think about as you're looking at the design of your gap year, as Julia mentioned. So hopefully a lot of really great tips and information and insights coming from the two of them on the pod today. We are so excited to have you all back with us. So without any further ado, let's get started. Thanks for being here. much to you both for being here today. We are so excited to talk about sustainability and we know that is really important to both your life and your work, Daniel and Arantia. So Daniel, you know, when we were talking about this episode, you brought up a really interesting point that I want to start with right and dive right into. You mentioned that we should all be thinking about our own personal responsibility in regards to sustainable and ethical travel. And, you know, this pertains to gap year students making decisions about how and where they spend their time. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how the personal experience of a gap year can connect to the greater common good. Yeah, well, this is great to, uh, to, be, to be here and to talk about such an important topic as sustainability. Um, I mean, it, any experience that we have during a gap year is going to have a, 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 a consequence down the, down the line. So when we are choosing, you know, where we spend that time, um, I think it's very important to see what the consequences are going to be down, down the line, uh, whether that's a location, uh, whether that's the activity that you're going to be doing, uh, but also like the little kind of, you know, um, uh, let's think, for example, location wise, you know, how many times you're going to travel during your, your gap year, um, you know, think about 
the consequences on, on carbon. So I, I, we're not going to go into the, into the detail now, but I think it's very important for you to think, you know, how each of the actions you're going to be taking during that gap year is going to, ta- is going to affect the, the rest of your, of, of, your, of your career, really, your life. So I think, you know, thinking about sustainability, sustainability is a topic that, you know, everyone uses that word sustainability, you know, left, right and center. But I think, you know, we need to think sustainability uh, pertains to, to, uh, to the environment, uh, to the social aspect, also to the, to the economics. Um, so I think it's a very, very complex topic. Um, I think we, we haven't really discussed sustainability gap uh, year too much. And I think it's, it's something we should really be starting to think about when we advise um, students where to go, um, us as providers, um, how do we bring sustainability topics to, uh, to, to, to the gap year industry? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think this is so important, especially as we're talking about gap years as often being these international experiences and international travel being one of the most carbon intensive things I think that we can do. Um, you know, obviously there's other things that in, impact that as well, but that is such a big piece of the gap year. And so I think it's so important. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. And I think before we dive too much deeper into everything, it would be great if Daniel, you could maybe offer us some grounding definitions around like what is sustainability in the context of this conversation? Um, I know there's some other terms that we were wanting to touch on, like regenerative travel or insetting. And so maybe we could start by just kind of overviewing what those terms mean and how they will relate to this conversation. Yeah, I think that's that's important to, to set those those topics. I agree. I mean, sustainability, I mean, there are many definitions, uh, but the one I like to use is, is sustainability is the long term maintenance and enhancement of human well-being within finite planetary resources. Um, and as I said before, it has normally three legs. I call it the three legs of sustainability, which is the environmental, the economics, and the social dimension. So I think the key element here is that the, that long-term maintenance of, of the, that we have within that finite, finite, uh, you know, finite planetary resources. So what is our impact, what we, where we're going uh, as we travel, as we interact with uh, different communities within, with environment? And, and is that going to have like a long-term negative impact or is it going to allow for use of those resources um, down the line? Um, you mentioned regenerative travel and you mentioned insetting. There are so many topics and so many de- definitions that we could um, maybe, maybe go into, but I don't think we have the time. But I think it's um, a lot of people talk about offsetting, um, insetting. I think those maybe would be, uh, would be interesting. Um, offsetting is kind of when you um, somehow mitigate or you, um, you, yeah, you mitigate your carbon emissions uh, of any activity really by um, normally paying uh, an external provider for uh, for mitigate, as in uh, to absorb the carbon emissions that you've uh, created, and that could be done through reforestation. It could be done through um, carbon uh, sink. Um, it has received a lot of um, uh, criticism late, uh, lately because um, it maybe is not a um, is not an industry that is very. Um, that, that it has a lot of checks and bounds. Um, so there's been a lot of money used um, in ways uh, that hasn't really kind of gone where people that, d- that did it in the right way or with, with the good intentions uh, intended to go. Um, so I like to use the word, uh, or I like to kind of, in, my, in our own programs, we like to, uh, to do what's called insetting. And basically it's not, it's not a fancy word. It's just basically a way of, instead of, offsetting so instead of mitigating so reducing and, and, and mitigating your your carbon emissions externally I, I pay for it and i continue doing my own way it's how can i do it internally um, and and it can be done through many ways like you can do it um, you can basically it's it's more like an an active offsetting so where you take 
um, you actually take responsibility uh, with your own activities, with your own actions, so you don't just pay to, for someone to do it. Um, and then the final concept you mentioned is regenerative um, traveling. And re regenerative uh, mindsets have, have become quite, a, quite, a, quite an in thing right now. And it's basically when not only you are trying to be sustainable, i.e. you're not trying to be negative uh, in your impact, but you're actually trying to actively regenerate um, whether it's the environment or whether it's the, the, um, um, the, the societies where you are. So you're actually having a positive impact rather than just a neutral impact. And for me, I see sustainability as sort of the stepping stone towards a more regenerative approach. Thank you so much for those definitions, Daniel, because we're going we're gonna to be mentioning all of those terms, I think, in the course of this conversation. I think it's super helpful to have those concise and clear answers um, and definitions. So, you know, and I think that a lot of, especially that term regenerative travel has become a buzzword after the pandemic as we think about the locations that previous to the pandemic were over-touristed and, and treated, you know, maybe unsustainably. And how can we kind of use... The, that kind of moment of quiet as a reset when it comes to how we think about how we travel. And so I think that this conversation is also coming at the perfect time when most gap year students are thinking about the world being wide open to them again. And so, you know, Arancha, you and Daniel both run gap year programs yourselves. And, and I know that you personally think a lot about travel and how intercultural experiences affect gappers. So in your programming, what changes do you witness in your students over the course of Spanish gap year and how they think about sustainability? Great question, Julia. Thank you for having me and Margo. And Daniel, it's a pleasure to be here because Daniel was the person that approached us when we launched our program Spain by Train to encourage us to, um, well, uh, you know, introduce the context of the sustainable development goals framework so that we would integrate the sustainable development goals in our program. We had been doing sustainability projects in all of our experiential learning programs for uh, well, eight years at that stage, a decade now. Um, but the sustainable development goal framework really helped us um, well have a, a broader view of sustainability and look at sustainability from different perspectives. So what we see is a big change for our gappers is that they no longer see sustainability as just recycling or zero waste, but much more globally. So they look at quality education. What does the local educational system look like? They look at gender equality. They look at the forms of transport that we are using in the city and the infrastructure that allows for that. And not only do they observe, but they take action and they reflect on it. So um, we have a journal. <laughs> we love our journal. It allows them to, to reflect on the SDGs as they go, the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so they observe around them with their five senses, and then they're going to go into an experience that may be uh, well, planting trees with a local organization. So they're going to experience that and then they're going to reflect about uh, well how it um, relates to one or more of the SDGs. Have they done it before? What do they think about it? Uh, is it greenwashing? A lot of them are going to bring up that term 
Um, is there anything after it? As Daniel was saying, for us, it is very important to frame it as legacy as well. So we don't just plant the trees, we adopt them and we, we don't just pay an organization to look after them. We go back to the place and we look after them ourselves. So that is, that is something that we really see them, um, will enjoy and reflect upon. I guess. And then, as I said, with everything that we do, when we volunteer with a local organization run by women and for women entrepreneurs, for instance, in, in the rural setting, uh, we see a, a pottery maker who is now the, the owner of her own business and has created a museum for cultural experiences in the Basque Country. So they get to speak to that person and relate it to one of the SDGs as well. So that is how we try and integrate it. So their viewpoint on sustainability is broader. That's really, really interesting. And it also, you just gave a great example of what I understand to be insetting, which would be something along the lines of planting trees on your program. Also, I know that you travel a lot by train. Uh, am I right in that, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, insetting, I mean, it, there's different definitions, but basically it's like, what can you do with you, within your own chain of of, um, of of purchases, let's say um, that you're going to you're going to minimise your carbon emissions, and that you can internally offset. You can say that. So, for example, what Arantxa was saying, that as in doing um, uh, doing a reforestation, is a perfect example. Um, the next step was obviously is to to calculate that, which is very important, and to talk about it to your students because there's a lot more providers doing a lot more things that we think. But sometimes we don't think it's important to talk to our students about it. And I think it's important to engage them, to involve them, and to actually make them reflect on those actions. And I think that's where we're going to really kind of see a, um, a long-term impact on you know, societal change, really. Mm, definitely. I love that. I think it's such a missed opportunity to not be doing that with students on these programs and in these gap year experiences and also giving them some agency over the impact that they're having during their gap experience. and. I think it's so cool, Arantxa, that that has been a focus, I know, for you too, Daniel, with the sustainable development goals. And um, that was part of my like focus in college. So really cool to hear how you were using those in a programming setting. I think that's amazing. And I think one other thing that I think would be helpful to just define, I know you mentioned Arantxa greenwashing. Um, how would you define that just again for listeners who are who are engaging with this and might not have heard that term before? Well, Daniel, you may want to help me with this one. Uh, but for me, greenwashing would be something that um, perhaps bigger companies would do to look like they're doing something positive for the environment, but not really or not in depth. So it's basically giving themselves um, a green image. Yeah, and maybe I would add also using green terms. So I think, you know, the use of terms in order to, to create misinformation, I would use, I would define as that. So, and sometimes it's difficult to actually, um, to, to see greenwashing uh, when it's well done. I mean, it really is difficult to pick it out. But I think, you know, I would be wary when you start seeing a lot of uh, buzzwords in websites or brochures. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, if you see brochures, I would say that's already like a bit of a, um, a, a red flag. But uh, in websites, uh, when you see a lot of too many buzzwords around sustainability, maybe kind of like, you know, start asking yourself, okay, is it possible that someone is doing all this? Maybe it is, but just be critical. And that, I always kind of like, when people ask me, you know, how do I choose something? I say, well, first thing is be, just be critical. Um, don't just kind of like 
buy the fancy photographs and a lot of you know um, uh, complex keywords and, and buzzwords. Just be critical, ask a lot of questions, um, then ask again and ask again. And just don't worry about kind of like uh, feeling that you're asking too much. Um, I think as providers, I love it when people ask me a lot of questions about my progress because I, I feel that, you know, that, they, that those students um, are going to have a deeper engagement uh, because they're already asking me for coming out. So, so yeah, uh, just be aware when you see a lot of, um, a lot of buzzwords. Thank you so much for defining that. I think it's also just helpful, again, as these students are emerging into young adulthood and needing to take more um, yeah, ownership over their decisions or like wh yeah, where they're putting their money, if it is a program or an experience, um, really being able to pick those things out. I appreciate you both elaborating on that. And as Julia mentioned, obviously, this has both been, this is a topic that is very near and dear to both of your hearts and something that you have clearly thought a lot about. But I also would love, we would love to hear a little bit more about your own gap year experiences, if applicable. So Daniel, did you ever take a gap year? And if not, did you have a first formative travel experience or something that impacted you or maybe brought you into this field of work as well? So I didn't do a formal gap year pre-university, um, pre, um, pre like kind of it's what's more kind of known as gap year. Um, I did a lot of traveling. Uh, I was I was uh, I was I was very lucky to do a lot of um, very meaningful travel and a lot of volunteering um, throughout my formative years. I did do a gap year um, after my uh, my degree. I did a degree in um, in, in marine uh, marine biology and oceanography. And I, but my my gap year, I, I I very intently kind of did it, very focused on my on, on my career. Um, so I really thought about. Um, where I wanted to go, what activities I wanted to do, um, so which very ties into a lot of my my tips and and, and suggestions on how to choose. Uh, really depends on what what your objective is. But in my case, I actually went to Australia. Um, uh, I did one of those um, what they call the the, the working holiday visas. Uh, it was when I did it, it was like they were they were starting to be um, quite popular. And I took the opportunity to ob to obviously travel, uh, create amazing connections. Uh, but also I did a, a, uh, my dive master uh, uh, course, my paddy dive master course, which was our first professional um, uh, course within the paddy um, dive agency. And I knew I, I was going to need that down the line if I wanted to really kind of work in marine conservation projects. Um, then I also kind of uh, volunteered so for, um, you know, for New South Wales uh, Fisheries Department. And I also did a lot of bunch of other, 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 other jobs. But I, I was trying to really... Um, to make that year count as far as my experience and as far as hands-on um, work, but also some certifications. Um, so yeah, so that was my, 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 first, uh, my first experience, um, really in a long term, like a year. And then from there, I started to do a lot of other, um, other shorter, um, shorter trips also to gain more experience. I always tell people that if they're interested in marine biology or terrestrial biology, there are just so many adventurous and amazing ways to spend gap time. So, and also that there's never a wrong time to take it. So I also took my gap year after college and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, say that's a bad time to take it at all. It's an amazing way to bridge your kind of college years into your career. So awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I've, I've been saying since I was like 20 that I'm planning my adult cap year someday. <laughs> All the bucket list <laughs> things I want to do. So, um, but yeah, very, very cool that you had those experiences. And Arantxa, same question to you. And I hear that you maybe took like a van life sort of gap year. What was your experience within that realm? 
Yeah, so I didn't take my gap semester until I was 29. And I was living in my van at the time. I was trying to see if I could work online while I traveled in Ireland, which is where I was living and where we were already running our language school from. So I tested it within the country first and learned how to well, live with a very small tank of water. That was my shower, my drinking water, my cleaning water, everything. And, uh, well, in Irish winter, I also used solar power only and a small canister of gas for my heating and all of my electricity. So I stayed in Donegal first, then Connemara, so I could test out all the mechanics and make sure that I knew how my van worked. And then I headed to Europe. In the van, so I took the ferry to France and I crossed France diagonally, went to Switzerland to visit family. Then one of my friends joined me for uh, the Alps part and we drove through the Alps into Italy. We did northern Italy and then I traveled back to Spain. So that was my van life part of the, of the gap semester that I took. And it really helped me learn how to be sustainable with my resources. Although I would say that my granny had an enormous influence on me <laughs> on that from a very early age. But it was very reassuring to know how independent I could be and how little I could live with as well. Um, so I learned a lot in those terms and of course it also allowed me to be very cost effective and sustainable with money for, for my own goods. So it allowed me to save for my later travels. I spent um, two and a half months in Panama, Costa Rica and Colombia and that was a dream that I had had for a long time because I absolutely love acting and dancing and I was, well, I applied for a creative project in a tall ship in Panama and I performed with a theatre company in Portobello Bay for a month and then I headed to Costa Rica for some warm water surfing, which I couldn't do in Ireland and then I spent the last month in Colombia dancing salsa with my friends. So that was my gap experience at 29 and Margo, I will take another one in a few years time it's always a good time i love that that's amazing oh my goodness i'm i i mean i there's a lot that i picked up from that arancha that kind of makes total sense to me as far as what i know about you and 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 how you move through life and that sounds like such a cool adventure but also you know one thing that i just wanted to like lift up was the fact that you learned a lot of your og sustainability skills from your grandma i think that i heard that right right yes absolutely yeah, I, I would say same. Um, my grandmother uh, lived in Germany through World War II. Um, she was very young at the time, but she, you know, it was a, obviously an incredibly challenging time for, for residents um, during the war. And she never wasted anything. And she lived her entire rest of her adult life with resource management in mind and scarcity in mind. And I think that a lot of people still are going through challenging life situations where they have to think like that. And 
um, a lot of Americans and to a certain extent Europeans don't necessarily have to think like that. But I know that if you live in California, you know you're thinking about your water management. And if you live in other places um, like here in Vermont during the winter, you're thinking about your heat management and cost of propane and how to um, heat your home sustainably and things like that. So when we talk about learning about sustainability and these issues on your gap time, thinking about the people in your life who've taught you that, but also you both are making me think about right now as well is the fact that what students learn on their gap year and offering young people the opportunity to develop a competency in this area is going to have ripple effects. So when we talk about the positive outcomes of a student taking a gap year, if they're doing it thoughtfully and they're exposing themselves to programs and opportunities that are going to, um, you know, integrate that way of thinking into their daily lives, then they will become more sustainable global citizens as well. So I think that we can't underestimate, I think, the the impact of, of having these students really be mindful of sustainability on their gap year and how that will play into potentially their career path, but at least their lifestyle. So, um, yeah, I think that that's something that this is making me think about. What about you, Margot? I couldn't agree more. And I think what I really love too is some of the, some of these um, kind of frameworks, it sounds like both of you've been talking about also like there's large scale things that we can do to help the planet and to reduce our impact. But there's also all the small little things that we can do on a daily basis that aren't necessarily like the game changing changes, but it's also those little things all add up. And I think that that's so important to think about in our day-to-day lives. Like how are we reducing our impact and our waste and our carbon footprint and all of those things? Um, I guess, in that same note, on the larger scale, I do think it's important, as I kind of mentioned earlier, that when we're talking about gap years, we're often talking about these international experiences. And of course, a gap year does not have to be some big globe-trotting adventure. Things can be much closer to home. But given that many of these programs are in the context of students flying internationally, most likely, I think we should give a little bit of space to flying and figure out how to reconcile you know, our wanderlust and wanting to go explore other parts of the world and travel while also thinking about the carbon footprint that is associated with these big international um, plane rides. So I would love to hear from both of you, but maybe Daniel, we can start with like, how how do you think that students might be able to think about their carbon footprint in terms of, I know we talked a little bit about insetting, but also carbon offsetting credits and purchasing those or other options for offsetting carbon of these really impactful international flights yeah i mean let's be honest i mean flying is by by you know by all means the most uh, carbon uh, intensive product you know producer within a gap year um and in international education so so my i always say like if you're going to fly make it count so first of all let's think before deciding you want to fly is like what is the objective uh, for an, for a specific student of of a gap uh, semester year period you know uh, because if it's a professional it's a personal development or normally obviously it's a combination but that w- that that can define um, where are you, where you're going to go and if you know your objectives then the making can make it count it can be more achievable um, so if you're going to go and you're going to have like a huge carbon emission as I said. Let's make sure that it, it's worth it. I'm not saying let's not do it. I'm just saying let's actually make sure it's worth it. So uh, w- once you've decided that you're going to go very far and you're going to actually, um, you know, emit a lot of a lot of carbon, um, I guess kind of like some of my some of my biggest recommendation is just just kind of first would be aware that that it's a 
it's a luxury in some ways and it's, it's a privilege that you are able to, to fly to Fiji, for example, or you're able to fly to Galapagos um, versus, you know, so many people in the world, they're not able to do that. So because of that, like, um, what can you do in order to mitigate that, that, um, those, um, the, the, that emission? So whether it's, um, you know, choose programs that have a volunteer, uh, a volunteer or a service-based um, actions, so that way you're actually giving something back to the location where you're going. Um, uh, also, kind of, um, you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned insetting or you mentioned uh, uh, offsetting. Kind of, if you go into to fly, you know, for for, for long distance, um, are there any programs on the ground that you're going to be able to um, um, to to do some reforestation, or you're going to be able to actually to you know to inset to mitigate your emissions there? If you can't do it and you want to offset. I think it's a it's a good start. Um, offsetting has a lot of issues, but it's definitely um, it's, it's definitely something to start. But be again, be critical about just paying someone money to be able to just continue the way we we've been we've been going. So, where what project are you going to give money? What are they doing with that money? Um, try to choose a project that is going to offset in something that you have some sort of connection um, that are going to give you a report back. Also, I would say like in order once you've done like a long haul flight. Do you need to do a lot of short haul flights, short or short shorter flights as well? Um, for example, you know the typical thing is when people come to Europe. You know they'll come to Barcelona. Um, uh, they'll you know they'll do a gap year in Barcelona, but then every single weekend people will be kind of flying on you know and I don't want to name airlines, but flying on the cheaper airlines uh, every weekend to a different location. So obviously, not only then you have your your long flight, but you have a lot of smaller flights. But also that's good. You know, think about your connection that you're creating with the local community where you're actually taking your gap year are you really being having that deeper connection are you allowing for time off your program uh, but also kind of like weekends uh, whether you've got a host family whether you you know you, whether you're creating local friends are you actually learning the language by having all these short trips so i'm very aware that obviously a gap year it's also a cultural experience tends to be a one in a lifetime opportunity to travel to a, to a region but just kind of like just be mindful of of the flight of the of the consequences of using planes um if you are going to be doing that, maybe can you choose alternatives like trains? In Europe, we have a really great um, network of, of trains that actually they're not, most of them are not um, using coal, they're not coal operated. So the, the carbon emissions of those trains is actually much lower than, than planes. Um, so I don't know, just, uh, I, I guess my main, uh, the, the main message is if you go into fly, make it count so think really deeply about all the all the actions you're going to be taking when you're going somewhere how often you're going to be traveling within that region once you get to that location are you able to have a, a deeper connection are you able to volunteer to mitigate your um, your emissions arancha do you have any recommendations or pieces of advice within the same realm around carbon offsetting and flying or anything else that is helpful to add here Daniel was very comprehensive, I have to say. <laughs> uh, one thing I would say is, of course, we, we work a lot with groups. And so the one thing that we try to do is that everyone travels on the same plane, uh, as opposed to having, you know, 15 flights coming in. And then, yes, when they arrive, it's trains, it's trams, it's biking, it's biking, it's uh, walking. They're very surprised about uh, Spanish cities, the fact that they are made for pedestrians and you can actually walk. So it's good for the environment and it's good for fitness. And as well as planting, one of the things that we do 
is seed bombs and another thing that we do is compost which is another way small way that uh, you can offset carbon at home going back something that they can bring to their home and their community but also in the future and this ties in with our internship program um, with the organizations that they work with they can also look at this in a, in a bigger way and see how they can perhaps talk to the companies they end up working for um, about implementing these in their workplace as well. Um, I am all about exerting influence where you can, and it would not be um, out of the realm of what I've seen in the past for gap year students to also come home and start influencing their family members. Um, and I can I can say just from personal experience that I um, I, a bully is a strong word, but I definitely raise uh, the issue with my family who are very travel intensive and um, particular my father who during his career uh, traveled extensively by plane. And, you know, we the easiest thing for him to do was to to do offsets. But, you know, I think that it really just the process of him calculating his offsets, I think, was a really interesting exercise for him. And he was very amenable to to kind of putting in, you know, putting in some, you know, sizable donations to kind of offset a lot of his work travel, which hopefully in the future, we're just going to have way more sustainable ways of, of traveling and getting around. But, you know, I think that there are so many ways that we can lighten our footprint and having just come off the heels of this uh, trip to Bali that I did, you know, one of the things I also talk to my students a lot about is the length of your experience to the, to the point that Daniel made about making it count. You know, uh, if we had taken a, a week long trip to Indonesia, you know, that's a real, that's four tickets on long haul flights to the other side of the world. And, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do as a family is longer trips. If we do take a flight to kind of ex try to stay as long as we possibly can to get as much out of it as we possibly can. And that's definitely something that I try to impart on my students is the idea of regionality. So you may be going to you know, Europe for a particular gap year program, but can you stay longer in that region? Can you extend that into a bigger chunk of your gap year so that you can, you know, reduce your costs, you know, you're not, so you're not flying hither and thither, but also so you can reduce your carbon impact as well. Um, you know, and another thing that I was thinking about a lot in Bali, it being an island was, you know, being mindful about not adding to the plastic pollution issue that is very, very prevalent there as well as in a lot of Southeast Asia. So we really tried to reduce their plastic we brought with us uh, you know, I we we took bars of shampoo, soap, and you know things like that that were you know not plastic at all. And then we also packed out a lot of our plastic containers and actually brought them back to the states with us, um, which you know we were trying to again just be mindful of it. But you know, Arancha, you you kind of started down that road of thinking about those those smaller things that you can do in your program. But what do you advise travelers to do as far as lightening the impact of just being in another place? Yes, so as you said, being very mindful of the resources that are available to them in that place and of the real situation of the place they're in, because for us in Spain, we see it all the time. We, uh, we see gappers be very surprised that their host families are telling them, you know, you left the light on again, you left the tap on again. And these are small things that are very, very ingrained in our culture. Daniel, I, I don't know if you agree, but, you know, being being very careful with resources and using only what you need, water and energy. Also, uh, we have a culture of food markets. You don't need to go to the supermarket for your lunch and buy a lot of uh, plastic 
wrapped food. You can go to the local market with your own bag and buy locally grown kilometro uh, cero food. So very, very uh, food that has been produced very near you. Um, if you ask the person that's selling it to you, they'll probably tell you where it comes from and you can ask as much as you like. You can practice the language, which is great. And then clothes. We see a lot of gappers ask us, oh, I, I don't know, I don't think I have enough in my suitcase. Will I be able to buy stuff? If I don't have it, of course, you'll be able to buy it. But we always recommend go to second-hand shops because, I mean, there are so many clothes already um, in in the world, we don't we don't need to go buy the the brand new and and we also do a lot of clothes clothes swaps within the group, which is a lot of fun because the t-shirt that you're very tired of wearing because you've worn it for three weeks, your friend really loves. So just swap and be a little bit more uh, sustainable. I love all of those recommendations around China. Those are certainly things that I have personally tried to do in my life here and um you know the small things composting secondhand clothing um I think that's all very attainable things as well that students could bring home from their gap year and have that be something that they're doing I know composting might be a harder one but some of those other ones that are are very attainable for students in their lives post gap so really appreciate you sharing some of those and I would love to just sort of revisit, I know we touched briefly earlier on regenerative travel and kind of leaving a place better than you found it and trying to ensure that you're, you're leaving a net positive impact wherever you go. So I would love to turn this back to Daniel and just thinking about regenerative travel in the sense of what can gap year travelers, either on a program or who are maybe traveling independently, what can they do to ensure that they are traveling in a regenerative way on their gap year? Yeah, so before going to rege the regenerative aspect, uh, just, just to, to uh, go back to one of the concepts that I think Julie mentioned before, that I think it's very important about, you know, you know, your dad kind of traveling, you know, so many times throughout the year. I think obviously things have changed like the same with, you know, smoking and so many of the ways that things change with time. But I think doing that exercise of calculating and putting it in perspective to your daily or annual use of energy, I think is a really powerful thing. When when you calculate you, the one the one flight from you know from Washington DC to Barcelona or to uh, or to Bali, it really kind of is mind blowing. And actually using that as an opportunity to have a conversation uh, to do, educate it, but also then bring it to what Anancha was saying, compare different carbon. Um, footprints that different societies, different countries have. So kind of, I think really kind of bringing numbers uh, to the conversation, I think is, is very important. And then when you talk about food in a market and, you know, that the, you know, the carbon footprint of that food compared to when you go to a supermarket in the U.S., it's it is actually quite, uh, quite shocking when you show the, these, uh, this to students and and, and I think that's really when, when we're going to start uh, seeing those changes. But the other thing I would just very quickly, just that, you know, that you mentioned about the regionality, but sometimes it's actually down to the providers. Um, you know, we, how many times have we seen advertise, you know, travel here and, you know, experience a world in a year? Well, that is actually part of the problem is that if we actually encouraging, you know, a lot of, you know, just very short amount of trips within one year in order to actually to 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 fulfill 
you know, you dream of travel the whole world. Well, that's actually encouraging, in my, in my opinion, unsustainable kind of gap year travel. And also it's not going to create a lot of deeper connections. So I think we need to also kind of see how we are marketing, how we are promoting our programs, what we are promoting. Um, which actually, you know, goes in line with 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 a regenerative uh, mindset. Um, and I think to, to to be a bit more regenerative traveler, the first thing that we have to do is stop. Stop. It's more like an ethical and a mindset. It's like we need to move from what can I get out of a place that I go to, and think more in terms of what can I give back to the place. And I think that's really um, the moment we start looking at the objectives. On a, of our gap year or gap semester gap program in that way is going to start really kind of make a, a huge a huge change. Uh, there, there's a quote that I saw someone that uh, a regenerative travel means uh, learning to see our home, planet Earth, uh, our relation within and within each other through fresh eyes instead of just being kind of like you know this sort of normal kind of um, that I'm absorbing resources from from planet Earth and therefore how can I be uh, neutral so like how can i actually provide um you know how can i l- leave the place that i get that I, that I got to in a better way and how could you do that well i mean i guess you know there there are, there are many ways but kind of like in in i would say first of all kind of try to spend a lot of time in that location um, or as much time as possible to really kind of to start getting to know the reality of of, of the place um, and the, both the reality of, from an from a environmental perspective, from a social perspective, from an economic perspective. Um, um, and some, some, some very kind of easy ideas, measure your carbon emissions, uh, because once you measure carbon emissions of your, of your gap experience, then you're going to be able to see how much you can actually contribute or how much you need to contribute in order to be, uh, not to be negative or neutral, but to actually be positive. Um, also evaluate the impact that your programs are having. You know, if they have a service component, are they really kind of having a, a positive impact? Um, you know, are you, you know, so even if you're, as, if you're as a student, you can ask those questions uh, to the organization that you are actually doing your gap year with. You know, don't be shy about, you know, why are we doing this activity? What is the long-term objective of this activity and how, do, how is it having a, con- a positive contribution? Um, and make sure that they provide those measurements and th- those data, you know, and also kind of report, you know, it, I, don't, I don't think there's any harm with that. Uh, learn the language. I think that's going to kind of provide you an opportunity to, to really have deeper connections with the local community. Um, what else could you do? Like, um, you know, if, you, if, if there's no service component, do actually find the time to volunteer at a, at a local non-for-profit, local organization. Um, and then kind of like, Try to be an ambassador of those good practices when you go when you go back home. Uh, when you're actually talking about um, gap years, I think it's not w- very well known to be regenerative. So if you're actually trying to make small actions that are that are getting you towards that regenerative mindset, actually be vocal about it. Whether it's writing a blog, uh, whether it's be uh, do it on your on your social media, so more people know about uh, ways of becoming past sustainable. Uh, regenerative. Um, so I think those would be some, you know, some easy tips. Yeah, those are very actionable. And I'm going to add those to our show notes so that, you know, everybody can kind of take that away. And, 
you know, uh, uh, maybe offline or, or before we air the episode, Daniel, I'd love to also hear if you have a recommended website for calculating carbon emissions, because I think that that would be super useful. I would definitely use it. And I think that others would, too. So we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is also making me think about another <laughs> buzzword, which is, you know, slow travel, deep travel, thinking about how we move through a different culture in, respectfully and with thought. And I know, Arancha, that you've mentioned how important it is for gappers to research the locations they are traveling in order to understand the cultural context of their experiences. So can you explain how this contributes to ethical travel and, and what tips you have for students who, to get more involved with their host communities, whether they're on program or traveling independently? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, yes, uh, research. Research and have fun researching, I think, is very important to arrive um, well, with curiosity, and it shows a lot of respect for for the local community as well. If you arrive with questions, because you've already read the news before arriving to Spain or or Italy or France or wherever you're going to, um, you can ask your program if you're going to a program or if you're traveling independently. Find some social media accounts to follow. Uh, you're going to find really good stuff. A lot of sustainability-minded accounts from people your age, older, younger, and you can establish a connection with them. Talk to the people when you arrive. um, Ask them. Ask them questions. How do they see their government's policies? Um, What are the biggest players in the country in terms of companies? And how do they implement the sustainable development goals? Or do they greenwash in their community? How, how how do they see it? And then you can also observe and share your opinions from your country, what you're seeing in their country. Are there any emergency situations regionally or locally in, in every local community? You're going to find some difficult situations as well. And as Daniel said, if you can get involved volunteering in local projects, find something that resonates with you, where you, you've you have purpose yourself, be it education, uh, gender equality, climate action, something that is meaning- meaningful to you. And yeah, say hi, try to take part in whatever they're doing that week or, or that month. Language, of course, Daniel did say it for us, it is key to, to participate in a language exchange and learn the, the local language because you're going to understand the culture at a deeper level and journaling we love journaling and we think it has a huge effect in in young adults and well people in general it had a huge effect in me i have journals from all of my travels when i traveled with my parents when i traveled with my mom when i traveled alone and i think it's a wonderful wonderful memory of the experiences that you live you get to reflect at a deeper level. It's it's private, but you can also share if you want to with your peers. We use it for a lot of fun activities uh, and, and you know, good questions as well that you can ask yourself and others. So, yeah, definitely a notebook. That's awesome. I love that. I, I can't uh, encourage journaling enough. I still, I know I still have journals from my first time I went abroad at 16 and I still refer back to them sometimes to reflect upon how certain things impacted me or, you know, various reflections that you can have from journaling. So I love that recommendation and 
all of the recommendations that you both have brought up during the episode today. I mean, we truly can't thank you enough for coming to share your expertise and just enlightening ways that students can really think more mindfully about sustainability while they are on their gap year. I think this has just been so tangible and helpful. And so we really can't thank you enough. You know, one of the things that that I think is really a good takeaway for people who are listening to this episode is that being sustainable does not mean not traveling. And I think that there is a lot of people kind of wringing their hands and saying, is it all or nothing? And we've had this conversation before when it comes to, you know, how to how to buy clothes that have been ethically sourced or how to, you know, think about sustainable food systems and things like that. Nothing is all or nothing. Um, although, of course, the the less you fly, the better, technically. But I know that in this industry, you know, there's other ways of thinking about this that are that are allowing us to be better travelers and to work towards this this world that we're all hoping for, which is a sustainable world. So on behalf of Margot and I, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to everyone out there who is listening uh, and has listened. So you can find Arancha and Spanish Gap Year on Instagram at Spanish Gap Year or online at SpanishGapYear.com. You can find Daniel and IOI on Instagram at IOI Abroad and online at IOI.NGO. You can find all of us here at Gap Year Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Year Radio or online at gapyearradiopodcast.com. And you can email us your Gap Year questions or comments or show pitches or criticisms or tips to gapyearradio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover the show. And I will just say that because we are launching into this new season after a long hiatus, reviews and, and comments on the on you know the review pages are especially uh, appreciated. So thank you. Now, before we let Arancha and Daniel go, we are going to continue on with the tradition we've had since we started this podcast, which is that we always do our sign-offs in a different language. And we know that you both are multilingual. Um, and so we've done Spanish before, but we have not ventured into dialects. Um, so what do you have for us, uh, Arancha? Maybe you should go first, because you. I, how many languages do you speak, first of all? I know that you're, you, you have quite a few on your, on your radar. So I speak English, French, Spanish, and Basque, and it's a language, not a dialect. I have to say it because otherwise they'll kill me at home. <laughs> and I'm learning Catalan, and I'm learning Irish. So that's that's four and a little bit. Gosh, Very awesome. incredibly impressive and so impressive. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you a second to think about what you want to sign off as. And then, Daniel, why don't you bring us home with uh, with with one of that's in your back pocket? Yeah, so just to, to echo what Arancha was saying, yeah, the, those are languages, uh, uh, Catalan and, and Basque are languages, and I speak, uh, yeah, Catalan, uh, French, Spanish, and a little bit of English. So I'll do it in, in Catalan, so ha estat un plaer xerrant tot vosaltres i espero que les experiències de, de GAP per, tot, per tots siguin molt més sostenibles en el futur i res, en lo que podem ajudar, aquí som. Translation, please, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that it's, it's been an honor uh, and, and great uh, to, to chat to all of you and that um, I hope that all gap year opportunities that everyone has kind of move towards more sustainability practices and if there's anything I can help with, uh, I'm here for, for everyone. All right, Arancha, what language are you choosing? 
I'm going with my favourite, it's Basque, oh, it's very close to my heart because I am Basque. I'll go with something short that everyone can learn at home. <laughs> so, Agur et amiesker denoi, which translates into goodbye and thank you all. That's wonderful. And I'm going to practice that before my trip to your region yes. very yes. soon. Yes. <laughs> So exciting. Thank you both. Gracias, which is my extent of Spanish, but I will be learning more <laughs> soon. <laughs> Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Thank you both so much. This has been a pleasure. Bye.